Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to the segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our guest for today is Hilton Storisky, who's the global CIO of Crawford & Company. Hey, Hilton, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you today? Very good, sir. And I've invited you to discuss this very interesting topic, which is staying relevant and competitive through EPM, which is Enterprise Performance Management. And Hilton, just to set the stage, what you and I both know is that we are on in this digital madness type of age, and we are going after innovation, and we are trying to make sure that we get uh, the most value out of all the innovation that we are doing. But that doesn't take away the need for us to be able to always manage the costs for whatever we have been doing currently, and also make sure that we are planning things properly versus shooting from the hip and have some sort of metrics and reporting, which is all people try to put into this enterprise performance management function. Companies come from different levels of maturity in it, and they are all trying with good intent. So the goal is to talk about different aspects, whether it is the strategy, the practices, the analytics we use, or the technology solutions we use and bring them all together so that they align and converge and we get what the business wants to get, which is growth, innovation, agility, and overall performance and the customer satisfaction. So that said, Hilton, my first question will be for you is given where we are today, the digital era that we are talking about, we are asked to deliver the experimentation and the innovation so that we can stay relevant in the eyes of the rest of the world, plus we meet what the customer wants us to do. Do you think that allows you the freedom and the flexibility to be able to also equally focus on the traditional approach of optimizing performance and profits, whatever you were supposed to be doing from your existing business? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and thank you for asking that. Um, I think there's a reality to this, that as CIOs and as business executives, we're trying to drive growth for the organization, and at Crawford & Company, I'm in a highly transactional industry, and this is really applicable to all industries that are going through a digital transformation, which tends to be most, if not all, of those that are highly transactional in nature. But there constantly is this rub of where do we find money in order to apply to some of these innovative capabilities, the innovative disruptive solutions that we know are out there, but that we struggle to kind of internally fund in order to get the investment and and the maturity and the, the traction behind. So what we've done is applied it by looking at our overall IT spends and saying, how can we optimize that spend not to take money out of the organization, but how to free up money in terms of spending it on some of these innovative capabilities. And that comes with a little bit of an investment in the IT portfolio, but really more of a time investment in a cultural shift in our key business stakeholders, because we now need to go in, put some metrics around where we spend in money in IT, and the two key metrics that we use, and, and companies tend to get very caught up in how many KPIs and measuring, you know, incessantly along these areas. We keep it very simple, and we've got two KPIs that we go after. The first is our OPEX to revenue ratio and how much money are we spending in IT versus how much revenue are we generating. And the second is of that, what is the ratio of keep the lights on, which tends to be those systems that we need just to, to keep managing the existing day-to-day revenue that is not necessarily growing our business. And the idea is if we can optimize the OPEX to revenue ratio and reduce the keep the lights on spend, there's more money that we can now take out and apply it into these disruptive technologies. However, the rub becomes, it's easy to say, well, we're taking money out, let's just put it to the bottom line. We now have to take that money and apply it into areas where, quite frankly, we may or may not get the return that we're hoping for. And 
that is where the cultural change needs to be, that it's okay for us to be exploring and spend in areas or spend in money in investments that may not necessarily provide the return that we are hoping it would provide. And what I've found is that this technology that we explore, and, 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 and at Crawford, we've got our, our fingers in the pie in, in pretty much any new technology out there, from robotic process automation, from artificial intelligence, even to virtual reality, that these, these capabilities tend to take on a life of their own, and culturally, the organization has an idea of what problem is going to get solved, but the reality is once you start applying that technology and you start connecting it with the business outcomes, it takes on a life of its own and you end up going down somewhat of a rabbit hole, which is a good thing because now the business is more engaged and connecting with the outcome of, of whatever you were exploring and innovating with. So your response is spot on and you've picked up IT as one of the functions. So when you use the word enterprise in the performance management, and there are many other functions, you talk marketing, HR, supply chain, finance, you name it. Every one of them seeks investment to either keep the ball rolling, keep the machine humming, or to do innovation and everything else. So the performance management, frankly, most people have eyes on IT because that's getting the, the heat nowadays. But there are other uh, different departments which have to or should go through the same. What's the view of overall leadership, the business leadership? Are they, and I'm not just talking about your organization, but overall, what have you seen? Is the leadership saying, you know what, go after the new and the shiny, and yes, whatever we can do with the existing, we are anyway getting by, let's not spend time on that. Uh, I think that's a great question, and I think there's there's multiple school of thoughts and it depends how driven those leaders are. I've seen it, you know, all the way from let's just leave it alone, let's not spend any more pennies on it because it's doing what we're doing, all the way to let's rebuild it because we, we're hoping for growth in the future. And in fact, we're going to drive and make that market successful. So from an EPM perspective, you know, it's really about more the culture and the, the drive of the executives in charge. One of the things and you touched on this a little bit, is that IT is the, the driver because of the amount of money we spend. It tends to be the excuse for why we can't do things. And IT, it's always in internal IT systems. And it doesn't matter which IT organization you go to, at least in my experience, there's always a shinier mousetrap. IT can always be doing things better. But the thing that rubs me the wrong way is when we as, as IT leaders talk about alignment with the business. Because... To me, we are part of the business. We are a driving force of the business, just like marketing is, just like HR, or just like finance. But there's no vernacular out there around how marketing needs to align with the business or operations needs to align with the business. It's only IT, and I think it's because of the spend and the amount of pressure and the expectations that we are the gatekeepers to the success of the overall organization, which... Is, is not true. It's really more of a, a joint accountability that that you know approach needs to be more managed organizationally. So so essentially you the, the way you responded to this question gives an idea that because IT is taking the lion's share of the spend, of course the spotlight is on IT. Now overall if I were to take take a step back and look at the forest instead of just the trees, then I could see leakage happening in many other functions and those even smaller leakages could roll up into a larger leakage if we were to just focus on just the ones where we are spending the most money. So that means this whole enterprise performance management should not just be where most heat is, it should be across the enterprise. But do you see that becoming the approach for companies, including Crawford? Yes, I yes I do, and I think that leakage is critical because you. I mean, we all know the the analogy of the small leak very quickly becomes a torrential flood if it's not plugged immediately, or the smaller it is, and especially now that the cloud is becoming as prevalent as it is, 
and SaaS or software as a service offerings are, are making more of a forerun directly to our internal customers. They've got opportunities that they didn't have before to leverage external companies to do some of the things that internal IT would have traditionally done on their behalf. And that leakage, or it's commonly referred to as skunkworks or shadow IT projects, um, if not managed correctly, has the potential to completely derail the overall ratio in the spends that IT is doing in years to come without the governance and controls that some of the EPM programs put in place to help you manage. And the fear is that when you put governance and and structure in place, you are slowing down progress, you are hindering the ability to be agile and scalable. But in my mind, that's not necessarily accurate. You know, what you're really doing is you're either putting a speed bump in the road so that cars, you know, have a way of slowing down. But more importantly, I like to think of about it as putting brakes on a car. Brakes on a car stop you from going, you know, fast, but they also allow you to go fast. If you didn't have brakes on a car, everybody would be driving around at one or two miles an hour. The reality is because we've got brakes on a car, we've got those controls in place. We can speed because we know that the organization has these gates in place that will protect us. And that's where EPM, that's where the collaboration, the transparency around, you know, the alignments, the activities, the engagement that the organizations are involved in really comes to the forefront. Now, you mentioned about the car with brakes and the logic that you just gave. If somebody says this governance and uh, EPM could just be seen as an overhead. When you go and tell that to your management and when leaders like yourself go and tell to the management, do they just buy it because you said so? Um, You know, I like to think I've got the credibility that they do, but (laughs) the reality is I've had to earn that. And we tend to talk about it in examples of what's taking place in the organization and where these types of gates would help us. So at the organization I'm in, historically, we have had, you know, very much of a siloed approach to how we've had our tech stack. And that's been very expensive to run and manage. And there's been a disconnect between how we've been supporting our internal and external customers on a global basis. As the world has shifted now and as our customers' expectations have shifted, we want to have more unified platforms and we want to have a more consistent approach and view for them and single entry points and single you know, exit points for, for the data and the work product that we perform in on a global basis for them. But having those legacy applications has hindered our ability to do that um, as rapidly as we would like. So putting these gates in place for future development is giving us the reassurance that these are the areas we need to focus on and that it's going to be okay from an organizational perspective to do that. So just connecting the dots with some of the past historical um, way that we've run, connecting the dots now with how the organization has evolved into the future, the new expectations of our customers, we need to be able to react very quickly to that. There's also another element to this around data security and privacy that transparency and those gates or those breaks, if you will, are more critical today than they've been in the past. And none of us want to get in a position where our data is is shared, you know, in a non-secure manner to the wrong individuals. So those gates are very important as we as we build out for the future to make sure that these types of areas are well protected. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And since you talked about data, let's go into data and analytics function, which is very critical for any organization to pull out uh, the the EPM function. Because if you don't have the data, what do you analyze? What do you report on? What do you use as a benchmark? But the fact that we have a lot of data getting generated more than ever before because of digital nowadays, tracking it is simply a nightmare. And we are still struggling. Some of the biggest organizations are struggling how to make sense of this data, how to store it, how to make use of it. But when we do not have our good handle on uh, the data and analytics, should we kiss EPM goodbye or suspend that till we have a good handle how do we handle it please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back and explore 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Elton, as, as I mentioned uh, about data and analytics becoming a very critical function, but at the same time, it is a beast. People are having big time struggles in figuring out how do I handle the upstream data engineering function and then making sense of the analytics where everything is shifting so quickly. So do we do we, do we have a way out because EPM, enterprise performance management, depends on these core functions? So what have you been trying to do in that regard? So, so absolutely, there's a way out. And quite frankly, the, the, the way out, there is no option but a way out that is productive for the organization and for the privacy and data security of the, you know, the individual's data that we that we maintain. But this is where I think it gets very, very interesting. And I think the lines of EPM, IT, organization, cyber, data privacy all start to blur together with one common goal of business outcomes, really driving those business outcomes. And the initiatives that we are seeing come to the forefront with data are giving us tremendous opportunities to transform our, our organization with the, with the use of that data, but also transform our organization culturally. And we've got an initiative at you know, Crawford that we refer to as the business data transformation. And really, it's just transforming our organization. It's saying we've got all this data. How do we leverage it? How do we protect it on a global basis? And pulling it together is forcing us to uncover the processes that generates those data, the individuals that generate the data, and basically streamline our target operating model to simplify that whole end-to-end process. So what that's doing is as we go in through this model of protecting and uncovering and, and deciding on what data is, is should be secure or not, it's forcing us to really look at the overall end-to-end process. So without the data governance component driving that, we may or may not have looked at the overall end-to-end process of the organization in this manner. So it's given us new insights and quite frankly, it's given us better outcomes to the target operated model that we, we drive in. The second piece, and this is possibly even more transformative than understanding the business process and streamlining that, is the approach that we are taking is to pull all the data together, understand what it is, but not from an IT perspective, own the data. We are pushing that out into the organization. We are pushing the governance of that into the organization. We're just putting the controls and the structure in place and the transparency. And what that fundamentally does, and this really excites me, is it's forcing our internal business stakeholders to up the skill sets of the individuals that they have on their teams so that they become more digitally inclined because now they're dealing with data, they're dealing with systems to manage the data. And in fact, we expect them to generate their own dashboards and the insights that they get, and it's not a central function. I want to push that out to the business that's where it's closer, where they know the insights. So by doing that, we force in this, this organizational shift where the skills are getting uplifted. We upgrade in our entire organization across the board. And in several years, we'll be reflecting back on this as a digital culture, more of a modern, innovative culture, and it's getting driven across the entire organization. 
But that's really where all these lines blur together. It starts with, hey, we have to protect our data. We've got a you know, fiduciary, a fiscal, a you know, regulatory responsibility to do so. We're going to do that. But let's do it in a manner that drives business outcomes. So would you say you're, you've fully cracked the problem or there are some issues still remaining? No, I don't think this problem is ever cracked. And, you know, we've got a, a roadmap that we are well underway on executing on this. It's already started to show us some material value, but it's, a, it's an evolution. Similar to cyber, you know, it doesn't matter how much we do within the world of cyber, you've got to keep staying ahead of the bad guys. And in the case of data, there's always going to be more data that we want to aggregate. There's always going to be better ways of looking at it. So we have to keep innovating and keep the, the cycle going. And no point do we want to let the status quo be because then we're going to find ourselves in five, 10 years from now with disjointed processes, disjointed you know, connections to the organization. And the overall strategy is, is misaligned with what our true capabilities enable us to do. So uh, the way you went through the journey and, and a lot of good things you mentioned about this whole data and analytics journey, what were the things which if you had to go through this journey again, would you do differently? Because the goal here is to also have the listeners understand how do they go in the most effective path to handling data and analytics, which is a means to an end to get to the EPM. Oh, oh, absolutely. So, so the journey that we've taken, and you know, if I look back on on reflecting, we've we we've spoken about the vast amount of data that we have as an organization for a long time, but organizationally, we weren't ready to truly capitalize on on what it means and how to take advantage of it. But like any large-scale transformation project, you have to bite the elephant one bite at a time or eat the elephant one bite at a time, and you have to start off with what are those material initiatives or those material business outcomes that can show value but are also big enough to get the attention of the executives that this is truly material for the organization. And at Crawford, we've got a program around you know, measuring claims on a global basis for a certain threshold. So when they go above a certain threshold, we can report on them globally. We looked at that program as the first program where we could make a material difference in how we are approaching this. And this is on a global basis. It was small enough that we could get our hands around it, but large enough that the board cared, our largest customers cared, and our executive leadership obviously you know, cared as well. And by taking that approach and going through the hard work, engaging the business, getting the business to own their data enabled us to get to the point we are. The one other thing that I would add to this is we are in the business of IT. We are essentially in the business of orchestrating the plumbing, the electricity, if you will, moving pieces around. We are not necessarily, and I think we tended to be defaulted to this, being the owners or the experts in the data pieces that we manage. By default, IT often is the experts because they know the data, they manage it. But the reality is operations needs to own those data elements. They need to own the definitions. They need to own the consistency. So from an IT perspective, we can help. But as soon as you engage the business and the business gets buy-in into what you want, and this is truly a joint initiative, that's the thing that starts the the snowflake rolling down the hill and really getting the traction behind us. So given that, suppose, an organization is able to uh, move forward progressively into building their data and analytics, and that's one thing at least uh, is out of the way or at least partially out of the way. Another thing that comes up, which is very frequently mentioned, is when you are trying to do anything at an enterprise scale, you got different personalities involved, different business unit leaders, their own specific agenda, their own, suppose they go for a performance appraisal, they don't care what Hilton thinks because they have their own performance uh, appraisal is at stake and what they're measured on is at stake. And when you're trying to do this EPM related thing, whosoever is going to own it, 
how do they gather yeah. everyone together with such a varied agenda and 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 preferences you know that's a that's the age old question is different priorities different incentives it's a it's a very difficult problem and it's a very real problem in the organization in in any organization that you've got people that are incented in different ways and have different um motivations some are for the company some are for themselves some are in between some don't care which is you know folks that are, are really more of the, the the problem but it's a big it's a big initiative and you know i think all organizations struggle with this the common approach that i've taken in it is to have joint goals one of those examples is we've got a cyber team and we've got an infrastructure team obviously like any large organization and the cyber team comes out with the policies and the the expectations that you know we'll have these procedures in place these legacy systems will be sunset and the only way that they can be successful is if they have a joint agreement with the infrastructure and the app dev teams up front to execute on that and likewise that accountability needs to be with the the infrastructure the app dev teams as well so in the planning stage these are goals are very transparent they done in a collective manner and they are collaborative and they are truly shared goals now at the end of the day individuals are based you know performance is based on a pure individual basis because that's the only right thing but the overall goal is you know a shared collaboration also what we do at the end of you know in terms of planning for for subsequent years and getting ready to do this for the 2020 planning session is we are very transparent with the goals and the accountability of those goals so from an organizational perspective we will have leadership meetings where each of you know the top managers and the 16s down to to even mid-level managers will present their goals to the entire global executive team for discussion for debate and that ensures that any impediments up front to those goals are broken and are heard about so that they're not done in a vacuum and they're not done in a silo that ends up being disconnected from the overall you know organization we also then align those we call them strategy trees we've got these overarching branches of the tree that each of these goals would then align to to make sure that we are connecting in some form or fashion back to the overall you know goals of the organization which then ties back into the whole process of you know planning and forecasting and and the management around how we align Let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back and let's talk about the devil which is in the very execution so what you mentioned is to get different business unit leaders together have leadership meetings have some goals and agendas just because we said those it doesn't automatically manifest into real activity on the ground happening where every person in the staff is most motivated etc So how do we get and you did mention about the ownership and stewardship of data taken owner owned by the people who are generating or managing it so we got data we got documentation all of those things are very important when you're trying to manage this whole enterprise performance management function so who owns it who is the shepherd who is the police who's going to make sure that hey if you don't do your job the cpm function fails and if that fails we all fail How do we make all of this happen on the ground down to the brass tacks? Please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. work.com You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sanjog Gall. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. So we have discussed about the things that could hold us back from even uh, trying this EPM function. And Hilton, you've had the journey and you've shared some different areas like data and analytics and, and talking about collaboration. But once that leadership level things are sorted out, or at least hoping that they are sorted out, we have to still make things happen. And on the ground, the reality is that enterprise performance management is only as good as the data. The currency means the latest data is always available and it is its integrity that it is accurate because that's what you're going to use to report on. And then there is some documentation required so that you can see data and documents together for you to see whether the performance is going well or not. There is no formal ownership of this function. It's a function that needs to be taken on, but who takes that ownership and how do we get this to become a responsibility and ownership of each person involved down to the staff operational staff level because everyone needs to contribute. How do you tame this piece? So, so I, I think that that is spot on. And I think, you know, these are now getting to the heart of really, you know, what most organizations struggle with. Everybody's got the, their goals. The goals align back. You know, we spoke about how the goals align back because we're talking about them. We're very transparent. So at Crawford & Company, we've got a strategy organization that is responsible for managing and owning our strategy trees and the various branches on those trees where these goals are. This organization is responsible for putting it all together, documenting it, disseminating it, and every quarter we measure against that. And we have quarterly review meetings on a global basis with the top leaders in the organization to talk about this. And that is driven from our top, from the CEO down. He is very, you know, much managing and advocating for this transparency and this alignment. So culturally and organizationally, it's from the top down into the organization. At the next level of leadership, we've got what we call a global executive management team. And the key leaders on that are the various functions, myself for IT, you know, we've got legal, we've got operations, et cetera, finance, all the various functions of the organization. We each have an individual responsibility to manage those indicators and those metrics for our organizations that we are responsible for. And we've got a culture within the organization that it comes from the top down and that we as stewards of the organization as leaders need to push that down. But within the world of technology, what I have done owning this process and owning this governance, if you will, and this metrics back to, to the data that we have and the key performance indicators are, I've created three governance architectural councils, if you will. The first is very much internal to IT, and that's your traditional architecture review board, which is a little different at corporate where, you know, we, we, we also talk about business outcomes, but it's the internal sausage making, if you will, of how are we building the systems? Are the existing systems that exist today that we can leverage? What are the technology? What are the skills? What are the people that we've got building so that there's a lot more commonality and that we've got a lot more speed and scale and agility when we do move forward with projects. The second piece is around a project review board, which we have instituted. And this is a mandatory meeting for our top leaders in the organization. It's a monthly meeting where we are very transparent about all the work that we are doing in the organization. So there are no surprises about the project. There's no surprises about the status of the project. And there are no surprises about where we are spending company money and what outcomes we are expect to, to drive. There's a third area that I've started to institute over the, the past, you know, over the course of the past few months, which is starting to get a little more traction out there. It's still a little bit immature is around robotic process automation. And robotic process automation is this new technology out there that really just mimics human behavior and it just allows repetitive tasks to be automated and a lot of speed and scale and process improvement come through that just because you don't have people doing manual work. However, it is one of those areas that can very quickly become rampant in the organization without controls 
and then it ends up being a problem when those systems go down because now no one understands what the disaster recovery process is or the business continuity or by default it just becomes another IT problem because now the robots or the bots are down and well that's technology. So we've got transparency around that. We've got a change control process where we move bots to production so that there's also again a known transparency around what bots are out there, what the value is and what the business outcomes are, whether those business outcomes are allowing us to reduce staff or more importantly, allowing our staff to spend more time talking to our customers and engaging them in some of the issues and compassion and the care that they need by having more time to do it. So these these areas, these three are all very much reported on at an organizational level. We share the KPIs that we've generated around them every quarter. We've got, we call them quarterly review boards where we talk about the KPIs. I talk about the finances. I talk about the keep the lights on. I talk about the outcomes from the projects. I talk about the outcomes from the architecture council about where we connect in the dots, where the value is to the organization. Sometimes it's data related. Other times it's business outcomes related. But the important piece here is that we are talking about it and we are sharing information. And ultimately, the idea is to remove surprises from the organization and rather make changes up front and course correct now as opposed to course correcting later on. Now, very interestingly, all the things that you mentioned are uh, going to help us get to that enterprise performance management. The very interesting element of that is when you suggest changes, right? So your data is produced, you do some reporting on it, and then some ideas come out of it. But interestingly, the ideas that the processes and the workflows that you want to make changes to so that you can reduce cost and make things more efficient, guess what? We have another secret agenda that people may have where they don't want to change. There is inertia or there is a passive resistance or there is a rejection to those suggestions. And leadership may not come to know, then what good is a performance management? It's not about just taking a snapshot of where you are in report, but also to be able to manage the process of improvement or at least have some way of being able to impact. How do we make sure that enterprise performance management or in the, under the, the banner of enterprise performance management, we are also able to successfully impact the processes and workflow related shifts or changes or innovation or improvements so that the outcome improves and we just simply don't come across as folks reporting on whatever the state is. You know, I think this is, and this may be a very simplistic answer to a very complex question, but it starts with hiring employees that care. And that care piece is fundamental because it allows you to bring in individuals who want to do the right thing, who are connected with the overall organization and are trying to to drive the, the collective business organizational growth. There are always going to be individuals with their secret agendas that are hiding information, that are hoarding it, that are building their kingdoms and fiefdoms. But if you do two things, you get people who care and you put transparency consistent transparency around what everybody's doing, it starts to drive better outcomes. And as long as the leaders at the top are asking the right questions and they're motivated and they are, are on board, and in this case at, at Crawford, they're the ones driving these decisions and these questions, then you start to uncover very quickly what's taking place in the organization. And maybe that's okay. Once you have that information, you decide that, you know what, this little Skunk Works activity is actually a good thing and we want to keep it separate because it's driving innovation. And that's the reason we kept it quiet. Other times the idea is to, to bring it to the forefront. And I can tell you, I've, I've, I play on both sides of that. At a prior employee, I intentionally kept a very small Skunk Works project to my chest and I had one individual who was working on it and we were working on a new capability for a, a contact center environment that we had. And I knew politically, if I spoke about what I was asking this individual to do, the project would get stopped and I believed in it because I cared about the outcomes that we were trying to do. And once we had a viable 
products that we could demonstrate, not talk about, because if we would talk about it, we would be told we couldn't do it. But once we had a viable product to show, I selectively got someone in operations who I knew I could trust, who would own this capability then, and run with it. And the idea was I could bring this individual into the fold, and in this case, she was able to own it, and we made her look like a hero. And in the process of making her look like a hero, she was able to accomplish a lot more for the organization because of this little Skunk Works project. But had I broadly spoken about what I was trying to do, it would have been shot down and the status quo would have continued. Just because that's where the state of IT was at the time in that organization. IT couldn't deliver. IT was running over costs. IT was, you know, a poor, you know, business enablement function. I believe differently. I saw it in some of the key individuals I had, but I had to play the game in order to execute. But I think as organizations get more transparent and as IT starts to build the trust and credibility with the organization, the organization gets more comfortable taking those risks because over time, those risks start to pay dividends. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And yes, we have touched people and culture side quite a bit during this conversation so far. But if you were to go in and start probing further to say what not to do, with people and culture-related efforts in context of EPM, what would those be? What are the lessons learned that Hilton may bring or, or other people may have uh, gone through this people and culture change for enterprise performance management to gain roots? What would those uh, learnings be? Let's listen to that. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Ilton, as you and I both know, people and uh, people are the fuzzy part of the whole equation, and that's where they have to be handled with care. But then, as you tried to develop the culture, and you've seen your peers in other companies, and your even your own own organization, what are some of the lessons that you've learned when you're trying to build a conducive culture, which will become the backbone for EPM and, for that matter, most efforts? where you're trying to move the company forward. So what are your learnings and what are the not to do's? Sure, so I think you know I've got three learnings around this and I think the first which is difficult to accomplish is to remove clutter. We refer to it here as clutter from individuals' um, desk or from their work and everybody's running, doing a hundred different things. But when we truly think through what are those things and how impactful are they, can the organization take a step back and say, how do we declutter? And oftentimes, it's not the tasks that those individuals are doing for the for the customer. It's the, the internal processes that we have, the bureaucracy we've got to share information or to get approvals or just to get work done that cause complications. So number one would be to declutter. The second one from an IT, truly more so from an IT perspective, and I've seen this over the years, the IT folks get really excited about projects that are coming down the pipe. So they 
force the ROI or the business case to be a little more positive than it truly should be. They minimize the risks. They say it's going to cost less and that they can deliver it sooner because they may believe that, but it's unrealistic, but they really more so than anything want to work on this project. So the, the key lesson around this is IT needs to be very realistic and have alignment with the business. We shouldn't be working on projects that we want to work on just for the sake of it. We should be working on projects that connect with the business and align with overall business goals and be very, very realistic about how we connect those dots and and the price points that we have on it. Um, And the third piece is around resourcing and it's getting back to, to people. And more often than not, We don't have enough resources, and more often than not, we don't have the right subject matter expert. And by the right subject matter expert, I'm not referring to a developer or an architect or a skill that you could just buy off the shelf, if you will. But it's those subject matter experts that understand the business, understand the data, understand how our customers use the data that you need on the project to drive a better business outcome. And as we think through some of these larger broad-scale initiatives, we think long and hard about how can we dedicate individuals to this program that are the right individuals at the right time with the right skill set. And what that invariably ends up doing is hurting the activity of engagement where those people came from. Because if these are the superstars that we want on our programs, they're the superstars in their other day jobs that they're doing. But as an organizational level, we need to make that decision. And we often think that if I put a person on my team, if it's not going to be a void where that individual came from, maybe they're the wrong person. Maybe I need or I want someone who's going to leave a void because then I know I'm getting the right caliber, the right subject matter person to help drive that initiative forward. And if you're able to do those three areas, work on projects that are connected with the business, not just because IT wants them, you've got less clutter in the operations and you've got the people that are the right subject matter experts. You ultimately drive better business outcomes, which drives better KPIs, which drives better alignment with the organization, which is ultimately what we all strive to accomplish. Now, let's talk at the tactical level quickly. Do you think we need EPM solutions or something which will help you specifically tackle enterprise uh, performance management in that holistic way, you know, that to make it as one big push? And if, yeah, where do we stand with those solutions? Do you think you have them available? Are they being utilized or you could get why with what you have today in your portfolio as is? No, I think think we absolutely need them. I think it comes down to the maturity of the organization and how ready the organization is to invest in them. I do think there are acceptable alternatives that may be more manual in nature that allow you to accomplish some of those alignment goals. However, within the context of the financial aspect of the EPM piece, the forecast and the plan and the, the financial goals of what we try to accomplish, that's when those more sophisticated solutions and technologies are, are, are more prevalent and quite frankly more useful in my, in my opinion. Because now you get into the heart of how money is generated, how much money we've got, what the planning is for next year, what the expectations are. That's really where it's the, the critical aspect. The tracking of the goals, the alignment of the KPIs, the tools out there and no doubt they help, you know, in a material, meaningful way. But the organization needs to be ready to take advantage of those. And I think it starts with more of a culture shift that we're going to be transparent. We're going to measure the KPIs. You then start with the financial, the forecasting aspect, get that really robust and get it accurate. That's Q1 is the Q1 numbers that you projected, or if it's not, it's because of the risks that you identified, and there's transparency to that, and then you can start going down and expanding the program to some of those other KPIs, the other metrics around the the EPM portfolio. One last question, one minute. The leadership, the mindset of the leader today, whatever that is, it is also need to shift because we are dealing with so much and so much volume and variety. 
when it comes to enterprise performance management, we want to get some foundational pieces in place. We need to work on the culture and the people and the processes and everything else. What does a leader at your level or even executive management in the sense CXOs have to do or have to think differently what leadership style changes they have to bring about for them to be able to do justice to the EPM function? You know, I think they need to be driven by a culture of transparency and a culture of being able to react quickly when the data shows them things that they may not want to see or appreciate. So it really comes down to the cultural change that they're going to be involved in. Having these programs, having a robust EPM program in place is a culture change in of itself. It could be viewed as some of those processes that are clutter in the organization, or it could be viewed as some of those processes that are decluttering to enable growth. So the leaders need to be open to what this shift means, what this organizational change and this approach to sharing and planning and you know forecasting looks like and what ultimate impact that's going to have on the existing day-to-day work. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Hilton, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how organizations and their leadership could work looking within to make sure that they are able to use the enterprise performance management function, introduce it into the company, make all the elements available, and then manage all of that and lead the people in the right direction, building a good culture so that they can bear the fruits. All of this effort bears the fruits where the organization becomes relevant and competitive using the enterprise performance management. Thanks so much again, Hilton. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. It was a fantastic conversation, a lot of insights. Hope you liked it. Like us on Facebook, search on Twitter, follow us on LinkedIn, and please uh, go ahead and listen to the podcast. We are on over 23 channels all over the world, uh, Listen to in over 110 countries. So hope you'll join and give us a good rating. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.